It is not the offspring of witchcraft or Satan. It was created by man. It will grow to be 15 feet tall. It will have huge eyes, webbed hands, hooked claws. It will walk upright. mercilessly kill every living thing it meets. Prophecy. Good evening, folks. It is November the 26th, 2019. Can you believe it? Just a couple days to Thanksgiving. A time of connection with love and loved ones. A time of peace and tranquility. If you're wondering about the mystery trailer, the mystery movie trailer, that was from the that was a trailer for the 1979 horror sci-fi classic Prophecy. I don't want to give away the movie because you know what folks, I'm going to leave it up to you to investigate these treasures from the past. But I got to say the movie Prophecy, I I think I saw that movie when I was 10 years old on HBO. It wasn't HBO at, at my parents' place. I don't think we had it yet. But a friend of mine who lived on Blodgett Road, not too far for, from where I lived, up in fucking Sky Ridge, a friend of mine, his parents had fucking cable. And so I think some night we just hung out at his place and we watched that movie Prophecy. Maybe. But I saw it about 40 years ago, plus or minus. And I haven't seen that film um, that many times since. I think when it's been on TV, I would watch it once in a while, but I, I haven't really ordered it online, um, nor have I seen it obviously you know, displayed on Amazon. Amazon's interesting. Amazon and Netflix are interesting, so is Google. It's not just the superficial censorship that they do. It's the way in which they're kind of burying the past. You know, they're, they're kind of figuring out how to curate the past in such a way that maybe certain things never happened. And it's fucked up. So there are movies I don't think that would fit with the current narrative. You know, one of the the core ideas in the film Prophecy was that human activity, what human beings were doing, was radically impacting nature, and nature was responding. And how does nature respond? <laughs> Why don't you ask Noah? How does nature respond? Why don't you 
pick up the phone and call the dinosaurs? How does nature respond? Why don't you dial the Spanish flu? Basically, a community of people take nature for granted and nature fights back. I don't want to give away more than that because there is more to the movie. And for a 1979 film, though I think you have to kind of think about what came out that year, you know the movie Alien with the sexy Sigourney Weaver. That movie came out in 1979. Holy fuck. That was a scary-ass movie, and it had pretty good special effects. In fact, I would say the film Alien had some of the best special effects of any sci-fi movie of the 70s, and that includes all the Star Wars bullshit. And yeah, Empire Strikes Back, didn't that come out in 1979? And the Criterions, amongst all the fucking Star Wars bullshit artists, they consider Empire to be the greatest of all films. Empire was dark and goth. Empire was all kinds of emo. Empire, holy shit, fucking Han Solo, frozen in carbonite, how sad. Empire. Empire Strikes Back. And frankly, I will compare the movie Alien to that fucking film in terms of special effects and I will choose Alien. And I will compare the movie Alien in terms of its storyline to that fucking film. And what's interesting about the film Alien, if you want if you want to know right now what's interesting is that it has a, a very fucking similar plot to Prophecy or at least maybe not plot as much as core um, antagonism. There's a core antagonism between nature and the bullshit that people do in the film Prophecy. There is a core antagonism between nature manifested by the fucking alien and that fucking egg. There is a fucking tension between the, the fucking hubris of people and nature. And sometimes people think, oh, I've got one up on nature. I'm a smart little beaver. I'm such a smart, clever monkey. Think about the plot of the film Alien, the basic the basic antagonism between good and evil in that film. It's really about, you know, the mindless 
the mindless, sort of merciless, soulless kind of corporate hierarchical bullshit um, versus nature and human beings are caught in between. And in the film Prophecy, you have the same thing going on. You have a local company doing its thing, not really giving a shit about the, the food, the water, um, the soil, the air, and the water, not really giving a shit about the fact that they share these things, not just with each other in the, you know, in the fucking community. They actually share the air and the water with their you know, fellow fucking life forms. So I don't know, folks. During the next few days, I will be going off the radar. I will be going off the radar for, for several reasons, not least of which I will be watching my sister's dog, Beans. It will be a pain job, a cash job, she says, as long as I clean his asshole. I, I will get paid cash money. I will be able to provide for myself many things over the coming weeks, but I have to still clean his fucking asshole. Did you know that a French bulldog cannot clean its own fucking asshole? To me, one of the core features of being a dog is that you can clean your fucking asshole on your own. But a French bulldog can't do that. They can't swim, they can't clean their assholes. Um, actually, in terms of water in general, they'll drown in an inch of it. I mean, there's certainly 12 inches of girth there, but they will drown in an inch of water. That is what they are. What they are, from a um, zoological perspective, I've already analyzed that in the past. We've had conversations, there's a little bit of hermit crab. There's a little bit of hermit crab in a French bulldog, but there's other things in there too, maybe some bat. Maybe some rat, maybe some raccoon, but very, very, very little dog. <laughs> very little fucking dog. Anyways, I'm going to be going off the radar for a few days. So if this is, is my last podcast before Thanksgiving, um... I hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving, although I'll probably bring that up again before the end of the podcast. The other thing going on this week is I'm going to try to reconnect with some family I have not seen in a while. I won't, I don't want to say, I don't want to jinx it. You know, the thing about family, um, how can I phrase this? Let's talk about this for a second. You know, there are many kinds of appointments. There are dental appointments. There are appointments to see the doctor about that thing that showed up on the scan. Those appointments are not cool. That's why I don't get scans. I don't want to know what's going on inside of my bungus pipes. I don't want to know what terrible, terrible elder... Eldritch acts are being um, committed each night. What terrible rituals occur amongst the tiny people of my colon. I don't want to know what sort of monstrous creatures have evolved. I see what comes out every morning, folks. 
none of it's good. Here's the thing, though. There are many kinds of appointments, but, but the worst kind of appointment you ever have to have is a disappointment. Disappointments are the worst. I mean, appointments in general can suck, but disappointments are like appointments you expect to be nice, and they turn out really fucking terrible. And I gotta, I gotta say, folks, the holidays for good old Uncle Dan here in Little Saigon have always mostly been disappointments. Yes, there have been a couple kind of fucking, I don't know how to phrase this. You know Frank Capra? Fucking John Hughes? But let's focus on Frank Capra right now, because John Hughes is his own special kind of bullshit. Frank Capra had a film, It's a Wonderful Life, and in that film, the main character, played by Jimmy Stewart, goes through a process of evaluating the pointless bullshit of his existence, and how he had all these fucking dreams growing up, and how all of his dreams had to wait and be put on hold, and how old Mr., you know, fucking, what was his name, Crabapple? He had a terrible name. The old dude, the mean old dude with all the money. Yeah. And so he finds himself, um, Potter, Potter, fucking Potter, old man Potter, fucking old man Potter. He's got all the money. So yeah, um, our good friend Jimmy Stewart finds himself on Christmas Eve, I think. Completely broke, his, his whole financial situation destroyed. He doesn't want to explain to his wife how basically he accidentally gave a check to his crazy-ass drunk old uncle or something. And yeah, I think if you give a check or any kind of money to your crazy-ass drunk old uncle, I think you kind of deserve what's, what's going to happen next. But yeah, you know what's funny? No one ever gives me checks. That's funny. No, I'm a crazy drunk old uncle sometimes. Thanksgiving um, has never really been a lot of Frank Capra, though I have had my Frank Capra holidays. I have experienced one or two Christmases and Thanksgivings. I don't want to say too much more than that. Where I did feel um, happy about the appointment, happy about attending the scheduled appointment to meet with family and friends over the fucking holidays, that appointment we meet, that appointment we set, that time of the year, right? But 
the last decade or so, these, have, these holidays have mostly been disappointments. They have been the kind of thing you show up for and you have all of these fucking, all this fucking baggage you're taking with you to visit family, thinking you're going to resolve it all. Oh, I'm going to talk to my brother Glompos about his new job and I'm going to be really nice this year. And I'm going to listen to him. Oh, I'll, I'll listen to my sister um, Razmataz. She'll have all kinds of Razmataz bullshit to tell me. I'm going to pretend I like it. I won't get into a fight with my sister Razmataz. But, you know, we go to these fucking holidays thinking we won't get into fights. We'll make up. We'll find peace. We'll find understanding. And in reality, these appointments we set for ourselves and our families for these holidays in November and December of every year, they end up being disappointments. A lot of them. So I'm going to give you all a piece of advice. And, and, and it may not be the only advice you get for this podcast. You know what's funny about my fucking podcast? I give all kinds of fucking advice. My advice I'm going to give to you is the, is the advice that I intend to follow for Thanksgiving. If I, if I see family I haven't seen in a while, if I try to connect with people, is just don't bring any baggage into it. Don't bring any expect expectations, really. Don't bring anything to that table that is remotely fitting in the Frank Capra world. If you do that, you might be happily surprised. You might even end up overjoyed. Holy fuck, you might mend your ways with razzmatazz. And you might not. But if you go into this knowing that, you know, probably it'll just be turkey... And your best strategy is not to drink too much and just keep, you know, keep yourself below radar. And don't have any expectations. Don't expect people to be nice. Don't expect people to be friendly. Don't expect people to care or not care. Don't expect kindness. I guess what I'm saying is a lot of people may have these Frank Capra holidays. I know they do. I believe they do. There are people I've met in this life who have these Frank Capra type holidays even today. Even with all the bullshit going on today, they bring the family together in a really nice way. But the fact is, most of my life, that's just not been my reality. And I'll even concede this further. Maybe it's mostly my fault. Maybe I made a series of bad decisions when I was younger, like, for example, going away to college. Well, yeah. Oh, by the way, I think that was when all my bad decisions began. But um, whatever the fundamental cause, most of my holidays have been kind of shitty, and I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people, especially in the last decade, have had some pretty shitty holidays. So my advice is don't go into it with any expectations. Don't go into it thinking you're going to like talk to somebody and resolve bullshit from two years ago. Don't go into it believing that just because they're family, they're going to give a shit about you. Because I hate to break it to you, everybody's got problems these days. Everybody, even the people that think they run the world. If you want my honest opinion about them, they got problems too. Now, they might be too narcissistic, sociopathic, and full of shit to understand they have problems. That's a whole nother issue. That's that whole denial thing. And when it comes to sociopaths, they are recklessly stuck. 
in the world of denial because they can't even conceive of anything other than their own bullshit. But anyways, everybody's got problems. Even the people that don't think they have problems have problems. So don't go into the holidays with crap thinking people are necessarily going to care. They might not. But if they happen to care, then talk. But don't, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is just don't walk into the minefields. And if you're stuck on all this Trump this and Trump that, here's some more good fucking advice from an anarchist to all you fucking voters. Don't talk about Trump. Don't talk about how much you hate Trump. Don't talk about how much you love Trump. Just don't talk about Trump this Thanksgiving. Next topic, did you know that Clorox Sentiva toilet cleaning gel, recommended by Dr. Grunkus, my own primary care physician, for removing growths from the bottom of your feet, but also useful for, useful for cleaning toilets, did you know that Clorox Sentiva toilet cleaning gel kills 99.9% .9 of all bacteria. What about the 0.1%? I called the Clorox Corporation the other day. I said, I'm really happy about your Clorox Sentiva toilet cleaning gel. I'm happy about it. I feel like, you know, since I've been using it to desclevulate or desclevulate, I don't know how to say that because it's Dr. Grunk's terminology. To desclimate the bottom of my feet, I've also been using it to wash out my mouth. But I'm concerned, Clorox Corporation. On the bottle, it says it kills 99.9% .9 of bacteria. Will you tell me about the 0.1%? The woman on the phone with me, I think it was a woman, could have been a man, could have been a man with a very high voice. Could have been a woman. Could have been a transsexual man or a hyper-transsexual woman. Yeah, it could have been a woman. Might have been a robot. I really don't know.
The robot woman transsexual on the phone at Clorox Corporation spoke to me for five minutes, but there was a pause. It was about a 30-second pause, and then she spoke to me and said, Listen, you're not supposed to ask about the 0.1%. Anybody that asks about the 0.1% gets put on a list for being nosy. Have you ever seen Chinatown, you fuck? Do you know what happens to somebody when they get nosy? We have your phone number, you fuck. We know where you live, you Mr. Nosy Man. So I said, listen, listen, transsexual, hypersexual, female man-child of the monkey beast. I want to know the truth about the 0.1%. And there was a pause again. As the woman or man or man, woman, monkey, beast, clever, monkey, transsexual, hypersexual robot pondered what answer the corporate overlords at Clorox Bleach would want to tell Mr. Dan Sullivan about the truth about the 0.1%. Because that's the thing, folks. On the bottle, it says, kills 99.9% .9 of bacteria. Now, I worked around the healthcare system. And I've used, as I've stated, Clorox Sentiva, it's scented, coconut smell. I've used Clorox Sentiva to do, to do lots of interesting things, including clean the toilet. And I'm convinced it must kill, based upon the damage done, it must kill, like, all the bacteria, but it doesn't, it only kills 99.9%. What does that imply logically, folks? What does that imply logically? Well, here's the truth about the 0.1%. The truth about the 0.1% is that these bacteria evolved in our hospitals they evolved um, Biologically, their internal organelles became more complex, but they're still bacteria. They exchange very uh, complex plasmids, which are little segments of, I believe, RNA. That's ribonucleic acid, you fuck. They evolved, they organized, they got their act together. The terrible, ugly truth that will probably get us killed. If you listen to this podcast, you now know the truth. Hillary Clinton. George Soros. Donald J. Trump. of the people that rule the world, the most powerful people that rule the world.
the 0.1%. Okay, the 0.1% of people on earth that rule the world are not actually, um, you know, people. They are hyper-intelligent, highly complex, super integrative, bacteriological super colonies. Hillary Clinton's not a person. She's a bacteriological super colony. Donald Trump's not human. Ask Clorox. Donald Trump is a bacteriological super colony. Isn't that the most rational explanation for the quote-unquote elite bullshit of your entire life, of the entire sphere of human fucking existence? They're not people, and they're not reptilian, I'm telling you. There are two dominant life forms on planet Earth right now. Two dominant life forms. You gotta listen to me. And in my view, they're both penultimate predators. Although some of you say, Dan, you cannot count these little things as predators. I say, fuck you. I say, fuck you. Do they eat you alive sometimes? Yes, they do. Do they kill you? Yes, they do. Then they're very fucking predatorial. And oh, by the way, they may not look and behave like you, but those little fuckers kill and they, they do their own kind of thinking, really. There are two dominant penultimate predators on planet Earth right now. Humans, sparkly toes, little clever monkeys, and bacteria. And in the history of life on Earth, lots of, you know, clever fucking, fucking creatures have come and gone. Lots of very large creatures with big fucking egos. But the bacteria, they're always still here. They've been here from the beginning, folks. They might be here at the end. When you look at the 0.1%, when you look at the people that run the world, do you realize the truth is on a bottle of Clorox Antiva? The ultimate answer to all your fucking questions, your riddles of all the conspiracies. Why was JFK shot? Did we go to the fucking moon? Are there aliens someplace, maybe? Even in your butthole? The answer to all these fucking questions is on a bottle of Clorox Sentiva toilet cleaning gel. Yeah, you might use this gel to brush your teeth with, like most of the people I know. You might use this gel to clean out your, all of your, your various holes. You might use this gel to clean your wounds from wrestling wild raccoons from money.
So there is my conspiracy theory for this evening. The people that run the world are not only not human, they're not reptilian, as David Icke says. They are basically hyper-intelligent super colonies of bacteria. And listen, bacteria don't give a shit. Bacteria are even, I think, cooler than the fucking honey badger. Honey badger may not give a shit. I can promise you bacteria do not give a shit. They will feed on you when you're dead. They feed on you while you're alive. They're feeding on you right now, you stupid fuck. And like all the weird underground soldiers in the movie Fight Club, you owe your life to these fuckers. These little bacteria, um, these little creatures we often take for granted, and oh boy, do we love to try to kill with our Clorox Sentiva toilet cleaning gel. These little creatures keep us alive. These little creatures allow us to digest our fucking food. These little creatures allow us to have access to nutrients and shit that we would not have access to if it weren't for these fucking little creatures living inside of us. These little creatures fight for us in our environment. These little creatures, a lot of them are allies, but we pretend they're all enemies. So I don't know, folks. I do not like George Soros. I do not like Hillary Clinton. I do not like Donald Trump. I think the people that quote-unquote run the world are either actors or they're involved, but whatever level of involvement... We don't really know who does what. It's a big fucking scheme. It's a giant scheme. It's, it's a carnival of the bazaar. And frankly, I have no clue which current monkey child thinks it runs the world. Does the Pope think it runs the world? Maybe. Does the state of Israel think it runs the world? I don't know, probably. The Bilderbergers, do they run the world? I don't know, folks, but I can tell you this much. I don't know these people. I, 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 have, I have more connection with the crazy dude down the street that I see every fucking morning when I walk to Chevron to get my fucking beer. I have more of a connection with that guy and the shit he utters. The crazy-ass, mindless shit he utters because why? He's cold and he's crazy and he's in the streets. I have a greater fucking connection to that fucking human being than I do to the people that think they run the world. And like I said, folks, as it goes for running the world, people think a lot of strange fucking shit. I'm sure, I am certain, that if the dinosaurs, if any of them became smart enough to have any awareness of their fucking surroundings, um, their surroundings, their situation, if any of them evolved to have consciousness like we do... I'm sure the dinosaurs believed that their shit didn't stink. I'm sure the dinosaurs thought they would be here forever. And, you know, life. Next topic. Now that we've resolved the great conspiracy of 
all these assholes that run the world are really just bacteria. Hmm. You didn't see that fucking coming, did you? Or maybe you did. Next topic is a fun one, especially given today's fucking, um, you know, can we call it a theme? Given today's theme, this next, and before we get into this topic, I'm going to read an article. This article comes from, and let's make sure it doesn't, yeah, good. This article comes from the Miami Herald. And it is written by Adriana Brasileiro. Brasileiro? I don't know. Is that Cuban or is that Portuguese? Probably Cuban, right? Miami? Could be something else. Adriana Brasileiro. This this article was published on November the 24th. Yeah. Iguana population and damage booms. Florida's not sure what to do about it. Iguana population. Headline. Iguana population and damage booms. Florida's not sure. What to do about it, written by Adriana Brasiero. The green iguana is the most in-your-face invasive species in South Florida. The green iguana is, yeah, that's fun. Unlike the infam infamous but elusive Burmese python, iguanas freely mingle with people and often act like they own the place. All oh, these fucking iguanas. One jaunty male was videoed recently strolling Miami Beach's Lincoln Road while others pose unperturbed for pictures along the crowded promenade. They sun on docks and decks across South Florida, poop in pools and graze on gardens. They've undermined the kitchen at a golf course restaurant in Cooper City, fuck, and canal banks along Miami's Little River, shit. They've now been spotted in the wild across much of the state, everywhere from Gainesville down to Key West, where they have a, have a habit of shorting out power lines. <laughs> I, you know, the more I read about the green iguana, the more I'm liking you, buddy. Florida wildlife managers know they're a problem. Citizen complaints about the invasive reptiles had become so numerous that they made a tentative stab at doing something about it earlier this year giving a green light for residents to humanely kill green iguanas on their own property whenever possible. Oh, folks, before we continue reading this fucking article, meditate on that hu delusional human bullshit. And I, this applies to all fucking clever monkeys, all fucking human beings. Meditate on that shit. Humanely kill. That is the shit that humans come up with. That is the bullshit, that it, whether it's cave paintings or this bullshit, we're trying to convince ourselves that something that really is kind of horrific, the, the, the situation, the plight of the predator is kind of horrific. It, it really is. If you've never watched a tiger take down an animal, it is monstrous. And yet, it's life, folks. Predators are part of the system. Predators are part of the system in terms of how the system maintains its balance. Yet humans will humanely kill a little creature. What? Come on, shut the fuck up. 
continuing. But the state quickly softened that approach after backlash from animal rights groups, yeah, well, to the point where the agency now refuses to even explain how to humanely dispatch one. <laughs> okay, folks, here's how you humanely dispatch a green iguana before I continue reading this shit article. If you have a green, a green iguana, you want dead people. If you have a green iguana, you want dead. You first have to, you know, pet it a little, tell it you love it. Hey, Mr. Green Iguana. I love you. I love you, Green Iguana. You tell it you love it, and you pet it, and you caress it, and you give it a little bit of lettuce. They love the lettuce, the iguanas. And as it's nibbling on the lettuce, you sneak up from behind. The little iguana might say to you at the end, tell me again, tell me about the rabbits. And as the iguana in its own way recognizes its fate and eats into its lettuce to, to dull the pain, the pain of inevitability, you pull back the hammer on your 38 Smith & Wesson and you blow the brains out of that little green iguana. I promise you, if you point at the head and you use hollow points, it won't feel anything but love. <laughs> how the fuck do you humanely kill anything? And how fucking delusional as a species are we that we even ponder f such fucking thoughts? I'm not saying be cruel, folks. That is not the message of tonight's podcast. It is not to be cruel. I don't believe cruelty is something we should do. And yeah, I think that the tiger tries to kill an animal as quickly as it can, but I also think there are lots of creatures in nature that will disembowel living things while they're still breathing, which is technically being referred to as eating something alive. So the fact is, nature's filled with things that humans could call cruel, but that is also human bullshit, isn't it? How does that concept cruel apply to the tiger? Imagine the world without humans in it, just fucking, you know, everything else. A tiger's out there doing its fucking thing. Would the word cruel even be a meaningful concept at all? Because there is no consciousness, there's no awareness in that universe, there are no humans, there are no fuckers to be delusional. It is just life and death, folks. Does that mean I think you should, like, I don't know, torture iguanas? No. But, folks, you kill an animal as quickly as you can. That is the key to being painless. You want a death to be painless? It has to be fast. Did anyone ever fucking tell you that? Literally, the most painless death, okay, is a death that occurs at, at at least the rate of nerve conduction speed, 
which means that you don't even know you're dead. Snipers will tell you there's a part of your brain, your brain stem, your lower brain. That part of your brain essentially is completely critical. Like you have to have it. You can take an arrow shot to your frontal lobe, believe it or not, and still walk around. You take an arrow shot to your medulla oblongata, to your lower brain, to your brain stem, and you're just instantly dead. You're instantly dead. It's like turning you off like a switch. No pain, no nothing. I mean, maybe as your brain slowly dies, as it deoxygenates, you go off to like Wonderland. And again, in the atheistic worldview, that's what that is. Your brain is dying. You get one final drug trip. But the fact is, if you want to kill something, the only way to be humane about it is to be fast about it, which means very, very quick. So quick that the creature doesn't even know it's dead. That's the truth. But we humans will debate and we'll ask questions and we'll, we'll wring our hands. And at the end of the day, what we end up producing is some of the cruelest fucking shit nature's ever fucking seen. In our pursuit to not be cruel, we have created institutions of cruelty. You need to ponder this, folks, okay? Because I'm not against eating meat. I am not. But when I look at a slaughterhouse these days, when I look at the way we raise cattle, I have to wonder, aren't we basically flipping off nature? Aren't we basically telling nature, fuck you? We are so not taking seriously the gift of life. We are so taking it for granted. We treat life like it's nothing. Like it just kind of happens. Despite the fact that, again, if you're a scientific type and you look at the evidence, there's not a lot of it out there in the universe so far. From what we can tell, there's not a lot of it, but we, yet we, we treat it. We treat life like shit. Isn't that funny? Uh, but the state quickly, I'm going to continue reading this article, but the state quickly softened that approach after backlash from animal rights groups to the point where the agency now refuses to even explain how to humanely dispatch one. To answer that question, the Herald, the Miami Herald, produced an instructional video in which no iguanas were actually harmed. Well, that's another layer of delusional shit. Still, there is no getting around the fact that South Florida has an exploding population of giant exotic lizards and no real plan to do anything about it. The sparse research on their numbers, how fast the population is growing, or how much damage they are doing is narrowly focused on or outdated. In 2007, a group of scientists, including researchers from the University of Florida and state agencies, sought to document the geographic distribution, reproduction, and potential ecological impacts of the green iguana. They tallied up 3,169 documented lizard sightings from May 1992 through December 2006 from just south of Lake Okeechobee to Key West. While nobody's counting them today, it's a fair guess that there are easily that many on Key Biscayne alone. So I'm going to leave the article here, and, and, and we'll spend a little more time on this before we get to the next topic. But yeah, you know, think about, think about what we do and how we do it. How do we respond to nature? 
we respond to it by cutting it up, chopping it up, and converting it into something that we can put into a can and then cook and eat. And listen, folks, that's how I live. I live in a city. If if you live in a city, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you one way one way or the other. If you live in a city, you're probably eating out of some kind of fucking can. Okay, you can say I don't eat canned food. Okay, if you're one of the rare people that lives in Seattle and never ever even once a week eats canned food, even the good canned food from Trader Joe's. I um I think that invasive species are a problem in the sense that they are very much a result, folks. And here's another thing too. Invasive species are one hundred percent the natural result of trade and commerce. Okay, I'm sorry. And it's not recent. It didn't just happen yesterday. Okay, invasive species have been jumping on ships, getting into the water ballast traveling around the fucking world with human beings for thousands upon thousands of years. Probably for the last seven or eight thousand years, ever since humans first figured out how to kind of take their existence to the next level, ever since they first figured out how to make a boat or a ship, they figured out how to give a hitchhiker a ride. And some of the hitchhikers are so small, there's no way to stop them, folks. Okay? During World War II, tree snakes, and I believe these are tree snakes from Guam, but tree snakes from places like Guam would climb up into airplanes and catch rides to other islands in the Pacific. Oh, fuck. Like Hawaii, I believe, and places like that. You know, the Hawaiian Islands. And here's the thing, folks. The tree snakes kill birds. Lots of birds. They eat their eggs. They kill the birds. So all of a sudden, you got tree snakes going around the Pacific on the fucking... United States Air Army Air Force U.S. Navy Express traveling from island to island fighting the Japanese island hopping island hopping per MacArthur's great plan to, to defeat the Japanese which you know that plus a few atom bombs gets you a long way
I don't know. There's the Burmese python. That's a problem in Florida from what I've read in the past. And, you know, definitely... Let me check the time here really quick. Fuck. Fucking time. Not doing so great tonight, folks. Kind of, kind of just taking too much time. Yeah, there's the Burmese python. That's a problem in Florida. People catching and releasing it. But listen, folks. The Burmese python, it took a trip too. It took a trip through a commercial process. Somebody sold pythons to a pet store. Some pet store sold that fucking Burmese python. And this applies to snakehead fish. In fact, folks, I'll let you in a little secret. This applies to pretty much almost all the really terrible invasive species, like the dingo. Yeah, why don't you ask a, a naturalist that studies the history of Australia about the fucking dingo? Ask the fucking naturalist what the dingo did to the mostly, I think, marsupial native species. Yeah, ask what the placental dingo did. We placentals. And if you don't know the difference between a placental and a, and a marsupial, marsupials do not complete their their um, gestation in the womb. They crawl out of the womb at one point and they go into a pouch. And we humans, we complete. We complete the gestation in the womb. The child shoots out, right, like a cannonball. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure I'll get a letter in the mail about that, right? The child is fired out of the womb like a, a cannonball at 700 miles an hour. That is how women... Women give birth. Next topic, I I had some chili the other day. Technically, I had chili yesterday, and there was some industrial plastic material. I would call them vat scrubber materi material. Y you know, you never think about this, but when they're making industrial food, they have these large vats, these large fucking boiling pots. These things are huge. All kinds of creatures get stuck in them. Every once in a while, employees fall into them. But if you're lucky, you end up with a little piece of plastic in your food. And that plastic is from basically a scrubbing, yeah, a scrubbing brush used to clean out the industrial vat. kind of gross. I don't know why I'm mentioning it. I mean, I'm not even sure how much time I want to spend on a little piece of plastic debris in my canned food. Does it mean anything? Well, maybe it means I need to like, you know, maybe get some more fresh food. But here's the thing about fresh food and food in general, folks. I think it's going to be more expensive here in the future. More expensive than most Americans can fathom. And yeah, 
So I'm living it up on the fucking industrial chili. Next topic. Do you know what a Kentucky grandbrother is? Do you know what it means to be a Kentucky grandfather, but also technically your your brother? Do you know what it means to be a Kentucky grandfather? Kind of like being an Alabama uncle. I don't know why I was thinking about Kentucky grand grandbrothers. It's scary to think that way. Could your grandfather also be your brother? Could your uncle also be your sister? Could your mom also be your dad? Next topic, we're going to burn through some topics here. This next one could be long, though. So often I'm asked, Dan, you're an anarchist, aren't you? Yeah, I'm an anarchist, and I'm happy about it. What that means in America in 2019? Well, let me ask you a question, listening audience. What would it mean to be an anarchist in a federal prison? Like, if you were in a federal prison in a fucking cell... You get to walk around the fucking yard once a day. You get to fucking eat food at the cafeteria. That's always nice. What would it mean to be an anarchist in a prison? But here's what I will tell you. The question I'm, I'm sometimes asked is, Dan... If you ever had your free world, what would you do about murderers? What would you do about pedophiles? What would you do about rapists and people that dump poison into the river? Because yeah, folks, in a free world, that shit works its way out too, man. In a free world, if you moved into a town and you set up shop on a piece of property. I know, you bought it, you bought it with your own money. Hmm, happy fucking clever monkey. In a free world, if you bought your piece of property or you simply squatted it and you started, you started as a part of your manufacturing process, you started to dump poison into the local river or stream and people started to die and the fish started to die. And everything kind of got worse, but yeah, people died, and you're killing the you're you're killing the fucking river. What do you think would happen to you in a free world? I know, I know. Today we got cops and lawyers 
and we have regulations which basically guarantee that corporations can poison the rivers. They can. They can poison the fucking rivers and the streams and the oceans and the fucking lakes with impunity. They can poison the air and they can poison the fucking soil. And we have lawyers and we have cops and we have all kinds of fucking judges. I can tell you something. If you were poisoning the river in my town in a free world, I would probably try to have a conversation with you. I'd say, buddy, are you aware that people are getting sick? And I, I might try to have that conversation. If your response was, fuck you, I don't care, then I'd say, okay, buddy, okay. And then next comes the crowd, the mob. And you might say, Dan, mob justice, mob justice, lynchings and mob justice. Well, firstly, um, lynching someone is hanging them. It isn't necessarily hanging them because of their race. People are lynched throughout history irrespective of the color of their skin. It is true that lynching has a very terrible connotation vis-a-vis African Americans in America. That's 100% true. You know, see the, see the song Strange Fruit, I think. It's called Strange Fruit. Is it Ella Fitzgerald? Anyways, yeah, Strange Fruit that, that grows on the trees. That being said, folks, lynching is hanging somebody. Now, if you were poisoning the river in my town and people were getting sick and if someone came to tell you this was happening and showed you what was happening and you refused to stop, number one, you got a lot more chances than you deserve because assuming that you can treat water and soil and air like it's nothing basically makes you a menace. You are a menace to people. You are a menace to the people around you. You are a menace to yourself. And if you have a family, you're a menace to them. So if you simply get off the boat, so to speak, in a town, and you start poisoning the soil, the air, and the water, I kind of think you've already made your decision about how many more days you want to spend on planet Earth. That is my opinion. Now you can say, Dan, that's mob justice. That's vigilantes. That's lynchings. And oh, by the way, what if someone innocently gets lynched? What if someone innocently gets killed by your mob justice? Well, folks, once again, I'll say this. Take a look around. Look at your justice system. Look at your fucking legal system. Ask yourself about situations like Jussie Smollett, the guy who tried to start a race war in Chicago. Okay, think about this. Jussie Smollett tried to make it look like somebody tried to lynch him for what purpose? Well, who knows, really, but I'll tell you this much. The outcome, if it had worked, if it hadn't have been so ham-handed and stupid, the outcome could have been a lot of fucking riots in Chicago. A lot of dead fucking people. Is Jussie Smollett in jail? No. Don't tell me O.J. Simpson didn't, didn't do it. Folks, I'm telling you right now, I know I don't know for a fact... But I am 99.9% .9 sure, just like that Sentiba bottle says, that OJ did it. Yeah. But really, did he really pay? I mean, yeah, he spent some time in jail for being stupid. He didn't spend any time in jail for murder. Look at the people that run our country, folks. These are mostly criminals. Mostly people have done terrible things. Listen to the excuse of Bill Gates. Why did I know Jeffrey Epstein? Because he was a powerful person. Yeah, he was a powerful fucking pedophile. 
Look around at your just society, is what I'm asking. If you're going to fucking come back at me and say, Dan, 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 if we had a free country, people would go around murdering each other. They would go around committing crimes. I, I would contend the opposite. I would say Heinlein was right. An armed society is a polite society. And by extension, an armed society is pretty much a free society because you have all the power. Because you've taken it back. You haven't given it away. You haven't said, oh, I want a government. I want a magical fucking crocodile that'll make everything nice and just. Look around, folks. Your justice system never worked. It still doesn't work. There is no history of your legal system working, in my opinion. While some people who may have committed crimes ended up not going to jail, well, yeah, that's great. But in those cases, some of those cases, just going through the legal process ruined their fucking lives. And what do you tell this? You know, I don't know if you've heard about the Justice Project and other projects like this to basically, you know, exonerate people using genetic evidence, using DNA evidence, exonerate people from crimes. What do you tell somebody? What do you tell an African-American man or a white man or any colored man? What do you tell a man or a woman that has spent 10 or 20 years in jail? But I'm going to talk about men right now because let's be honest, violent crimes are mostly committed by men. I think that's basically true. Um, that really bad ones, certainly. What do you tell a man who spent 20 years in jail that, yeah, it turns out you were innocent? Well, that's great. What the fuck do you do in that case? How do you pay that back? How do you give someone back 20 years? Because if our justice system actually fucking worked, the government would write you a giant check saying, fuck, I fucked up. You should never have been here. Our system was supposed to protect the innocent. Blah, 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 blah. In truth, it doesn't. It doesn't protect anyone, anyone at all. But they won't do it because that would be admitting the system is broken. That would be admitting the system does not work. It doesn't work. So for those of you out there who would say, Dan, if, you, if we lived in an anarchist world, um, we wouldn't have justice. We would just have blah, blah, blah. Listen, folks, the justice of a free world would always be better than what we have now. It, it would not be perfect. If you want perfection, we got kicked out of that a long time ago. Adam, Eve, read Genesis. If you want perfection, it's too fucking late for that. But if you'd like the best of all possible worlds, then a free world is where it's at. And I got to tell you, justice in a free world, I will take that seven days a week and 40 times on Sunday over anything we call justice today, over any of this crookedness. It's a crooked fucking system, folks. It is a crooked system where if you have enough money and enough connections, you can get away with a lot of shit. And you can say, well, what about Jeffrey Epstein? Didn't he end up in jail? Yeah, after how much shit did he fucking do? And even then, who knows? Did he kill himself? Did someone kill him? Or is he still alive somewhere in Haifa, Israel? I really don't know if he's hanging out in Haifa, drinking an orange coolie, sitting in the shade. I have no fucking idea. What I can tell you is he got off easy compared to the kids he hurt. He got off fucking easy. And, and if you're going to use his example, holy fuck, you're an idiot. Now, this system is not about justice, folks. It's not even about revenge. I mean, if it was about some kind of functional revenge or 
retribution, I would say, okay, but it doesn't even, it doesn't even do that properly. All it does is creates problems. It creates problems for the innocent. It creates opportunities, which are really problems, but it creates opportunities for the guilty. And it's mostly just a big racket, the whole fucking thing. It's a corporation. It's money. Okay, it's not an accident that corporations are taking over prisons. It's not an accident that corporations are giving bonuses to judges and court systems for pushing more prisoners their fucking direction. The system is crooked as fuck. There is no justice for people like us. There isn't really. The best you can hope for when it comes to the crocodile is that you get out of it relatively unscathed, which means if you get accused of something, if you go on trial and you ultimately are exonerated, the best you can hope for is you're not totally financial broke and that your reputation isn't totally fucking ruined. That is the best case scenario for a lot of fucking people, folks, when it comes to the justice system. That is it. And if the government fucks up, if the government ruins your life, yeah, you can wait until the end of fucking time to get an apology. Once in a while they'll say I'm sorry in that kind of shitty way. But like I said, folks, if you spent 20 years in jail for a crime you did not commit and, and someone came up to you and said, we're sorry, would you be okay about it? Or would you kind of end up like Max Cady, you know? Cape Fear. Robert De Niro or Mitchum, I don't care. But if you spent 20 years in jail for a crime you didn't commit or 10 years or whatever, and someone just said, you know, here you're out now, have a happy life, you were innocent. How would you respond to that? Me, I think it would, I think it would take whatever shred of respect I have for my fellow human being and just destroy it. But then again, there are a lot of people in the world who will pick up and try again. That just goes to show you something, folks, that human beings, if given a chance, are actually a lot nicer than you might imagine, in a free world, not in a prison. Before we go this evening, Before we go this evening, I got a couple things to say. First and foremost, um, I, I pray and I plea that if you're listening to me right now and you're heading to someone's house for Thanksgiving, that you try to just find peace. You might not find peace with your relatives. Your relatives might be nice, they might be mean, they might be angry, they might be drunk, they might be sad. You might not find peace there in that sense. but. What I would say is this, go to visit your family with some sense of peace. Try it. I'm going to. It's not easy for me. 
Try not to start any arguments, you know. There's nothing worth fighting over on Thanksgiving. There really isn't. There's no fucking issue that's that fucking big a deal because truly, folks, people like us, we don't control shit. So if you take that anger of not controlling shit to Thanksgiving, all you're going to do is create sadness. Try to figure out a way to find peace with your family this Thanksgiving. Try to find a way to at least just be with people and discover maybe that maybe there's still something left out there. Something, I don't know what you'd call it. You know, call it the spirit of love. Call it the spirit of consideration. Call it compassion. I don't know the word for it, but there has to be something left out there. There has to be a little bit left that makes us more than just monsters. I've told you folks, I think we're predators. We're not just predators, we're penultimate predators. And more on that in the future. Because I'm still meditating on that idea. Because really, it's A, it's not original, and B, it's not something meant to be glib. I, I really think there's something to a truth there. A truth about stewardship. A truth about honesty. And we need to get over our fucking delusions and shit. But here's the deal, folks. Thanksgiving is not about any of that bullshit. Thanksgiving is not about Trump or Hillary or Tulsi Gabbard or any of the people running for office. You know? We got plenty of time to fight about that bullshit. Thanksgiving is not a time to really compare who's richer and who's poorer. Folks, some of you have money, some of you don't. My advice is don't go to Thanksgiving to compare who has more stuff. But Thanksgiving might be a time to get to know people you haven't seen for a while. It might be a time to listen. And it might be a time to just take it easy. And if you have a beer or two, I'm going to probably if I can. <laughs> yeah. If you have a beer or two, don't have too many. Don't get too stinking drunk. But try to enjoy the fact that you don't always get a chance to see your family, maybe. And you might not even have that much family. I probably have too much. Last but not least, if you listen to my podcast and you enjoy it, A, you have to enjoy it. I've had some people attacking my podcast a little bit. You know, I, I don't want to say people. There have been a couple of these like bots or trolls that have left comments that are really just shitty comments that don't say anything about the content. FYI, folks, I have nothing against comments where people say, have you thought about this? You know, are you sure about that? I like the discussion. I like the disagreement. But just leaving a comment that says, you know, fucking punk this and punk that, and not even, you know, describing why you're upset, that shit's just bullshit. You're probably a troll, so fuck you. But if you actually like my podcast, that's important. Do you like it? A. B. Do you have extra money? That means, have you taken care of the things you need to take care of? The food, the water, the shelter? Do you have enough money to cover the next few months of rent if you rent? I'm asking this fucking seriously. 
Have you taken care of the people in your life you love, you care about? I'm telling you right now, <laughs> you can always listen to my podcast and you can always send me five bucks, but there are people in your life that you just shouldn't take for granted. So if you've taken care of everything you need to take care of and you still have a couple bucks in your pocket and it's between, I don't know, spending that money on something crappy, like maybe a bag of Doritos and a six pack of beer, then you can go ahead. There's a link to Venmo on my SoundCloud homepage, and there'll be a link in this podcast in the description area. You can click on that link and you can donate and donate whatever you want to. Donate five bucks. Donate if you have 5,000 and you literally want to help me out on that level and you don't have any other responsibilities and you must be fucking rich as fuck. I'll take any amount of money, folks, but I want you to just... I want you to make sure you're taking care of yourself first and that you're taking care of the people you love first. I try to do the same as much as I can. I fuck it up a lot, but I try. And for this, Tuesday, November the 26th, crazy. It is almost 7 p.m., here in Seattle, Washington, Little Saigon, where the creatures of the night feed upon the dead in the streets. If you wander the streets of your own lost soul, looking for some answers in the Gomulac, if you walk down these sidewalks of nastiness and viscera, And if you slip and fall and you get some sort of parasite stuck in your hand, just remember that this life is a one-time offer only. And it's on sale for ninety-nine ninety-five.